0: Please send to John chapter 20. While we're doing that, we should pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us and reveal Jesus to us. Help us to surrender to you especially me. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Let's go. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. In order to really give you the context of what I want to talk about, I need to digress. The resurrection is my favorite thing to talk about, has been for the last, I don't know, 12 months or so. Very passionate about it. I think as Christians we often focus on the death of Jesus and, well, we ought to. It's central to our faith and I think we ought to have communion all the time whenever we meet together. But I think sometimes the resurrection can get swept under the radar and we can miss its importance because I'm not empowered to live the Christian life without the resurrection. I'm only freed from sin by the death of Jesus if I don't if I don't think about the resurrection. And I don't know, maybe 2 months ago, Steve asked me, "What do you want? Do you want Friday or do you want Sunday?" You know, as in he was asking, "Do you want to talk about the death of Jesus and do communion or do you want to talk about the resurrection?" And I was like, "Ha, I want the resurrection." Tess can have the death of Jesus. <laughs> I'm not saying it's less important. I, just, I love the resurrection. I think it's mind-blowing, and I'll never, ever comprehend it. Um, and God's taken me through a lot of things. You know, like, I spent a week looking at the Transfiguration. Who, whoever reads the Transfiguration and just sort of wonders, what the hell is that in there for? Like to me, it always sort of felt like a side mission. You know, to to those who play video games in here, which looking at this crowd, it's, I don't know, probably more some people in this section, but not really so much the rest of you, except for maybe that guy there. A side mission in a video game is like, let's say you're playing a video game where you can travel around and you're in an open world and you can travel to different towns and cities and stuff. There's always a main storyline to every game you play. There's a main mission, but you can meet people in certain places and they can just give you a mission that has no relevance to the, the main storyline. It just gives you I don't know, extra gold or money or points or reputation. What what did you say, John? <laughs> just cool things that but don't really add to the main storyline. It's just a side mission. And the transfiguration to me always seemed like I, I knew it was important, but I never knew why. But it just sort of seems like a side mission. I never understood its relevance. And, and I spent a week looking at it. And when God showed me how necessary it was, I went, whoa. You know, and he tied it back to the resurrection. It was a confirmation of Jesus' resurrection and, and who he is and that he is the Christ. And, and at the moment, God's been taking me through Isaiah. Because just before Isaiah, I was reading Matthew. And it's got all these references to Isaiah. And, and every promise is fulfilled in the risen Christ. You know, so then I'm going through Isaiah and I'm reading through all of these promises that are going to be fulfilled in the risen Christ. I've been looking at the resurrection for a long time now. And for the last week, I've been stuck in John chapter 20, just looking at this passage that we just read out and the richness that God has shown me. Oh, my goodness. And I'm not allowed to share any of it. It didn't matter what I wrote down, it didn't matter. What God showed me, it didn't matter how it all. It just wouldn't fit together. It was like an am- amazing jigsaw puzzle that just the pieces didn't fit. And uh, I've been asking God for the last couple of months to teach me to surrender. Like, really surrender. You can sit in church for 10 years or 50 years and still just be as much unsurrendered as you were, you know, when you first started coming to church or something. And I can say that now because this year I'll have been in church for three decades. When I was born, I started going to church. I'm 29. And I know that knowing things doesn't make me a better Christian. It doesn't matter. How much I read the word if I don't apply it to my life. You know, like when Joshua was talking to the Israelites before he died, he didn't say, choose this day what God you'll choose to know about. But as for me, I'll know about the Lord or I'll learn about the Lord. He said, choose this day whom you will serve. And I used to pride myself on knowing a lot of things, and to be honest, I think I still do. It's wrong. And only in the last few months, I feel like I've been looking at Christianity through a glass, like I'm, in a, I'm, I'm a spectator in a zoo or something. I've seen the move of God. I've seen him do things. I've led people to the Lord. Yeah, all that stuff. I've had amazing times with Jesus, a lot. But what does it actually mean to surrender? Because if I were to count the amount of times in a day where I refuse the Holy Spirit, without even knowing. So I've been asking God to teach me to surrender. And I'll tell you why I've been asking God to teach me to surrender lately. This one hit me like a smack in the face. In January, I realized that, you know, I talk about revival a lot. I want revival. I pray for revival. I want revival to happen in me so that I can see it in my community. And I found that, I mean, how many Christians around the world pray for revival and it doesn't happen? And the devil is not... The blockage to revival. I know that because it says it in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. It says, he disarmed the rulers and the authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That means the devil has zero authority. He is not blocking revival at all. The church is blocking revival. 100%, it's you and it's me. I'm blocking Revival. And it's this one word that stops me from walking in what revival is. And by the way, revival, didn't think about this last week until Hannah shared it with me. Revival is just supposed to be normal Christianity. And we put it on this pedestal and think that it's up there and that we have to attain to it. It's just supposed to be what Christianity looks like. It's what things looked like wherever Jesus went. And yet, we don't see it. Why? One word, control. I'm in control of my life when Jesus should be. So I've been asking God to teach me to really surrender. Really. Not just be a Christian and go to church and preach. For goodness sake. And so coming up to Easter, like, how many people know that I'm not an organizer? That's probably a rhetorical question. You don't need to put your hands up, Ian. You don't need to put two hands up. (laughs) I'm not an organizer. I suck at it. I'm getting better in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Ian. (laughs) Double rebuke, double blessing. Oh man, I'm going to be honest, Easter's been stressing me out leading up to it, the weeks and even the months. I started looking at it in January, how it was all going to work. Stress is a symptom of control. That's all it is. 100%. You're stressing, you're in control and you shouldn't be. And so Easter's getting closer over the months and my stress is starting to do this and you know things would go wrong with organization or this and that or you can't fill a particular spot for this and, but I was praying the entire time Lord may there be an abundance at the Easter brunch may there be volunteers may the gospel be preached may, you know, may your presence more than anything be there and, and I repented of that control on just Friday the day before Saturday and after that I didn't worry it didn't bother me anymore. And I woke up on Saturday morning and and I was running a little bit late. That stress started to come back, and I repented of it. And I had the most amazing day ever. And like there were it was all going on, but I wasn't stressed. And man, the gospel was preached the entire time. And people just were popping up out of nowhere like this whole last week. Volunteers have just been coming in right at the right time just saying, hey, I can do that. My sister rocked up yesterday, Rebecca. Who hasn't seen Rebecca in 15 years? I haven't. I've seen her in then, but you haven't. It's it's all right. I'm not saying I haven't seen her in 15 years. but and Then she's like, I'm going to help with the balloons, (laughs) with the balloon animals. Because she's really, really quick. That's what she does for a living, actually. She goes to kids' parties and does balloons and face painting. Sweet. Cool.
1: Because that line was so long.
0: (laughs) Like, things like that just happened. Like, God just, when I released control, he just made it all happen. And we still got a partner with him. But we don't be in control. And we got to trust that he fills the gaps. So I've been prepping this sermon, and I literally sat there for like three hours yesterday doing nothing because I just couldn't get anything done. Like I'm, I'm looking at it. I wasn't being distracted. I'm looking at it. I'm trying to make it work, and it's not working. And eventually I said, Lord, this isn't working. And he said, why isn't it working, Jamie? Now, if you've been a Christian for more than five minutes, you'll know whenever God asks a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. But like any good teacher, he wants you to think for yourself. And I was like, I'm in control again. I love delivering banging sermons, right? You know, I love to get fiery. Some of you know this. I love to deliver those one-liners that make you go, oh, quote Facebook. There was a guy in Newcastle, he was a preacher, and he was an amazing preacher, and he said, the, the person who's preaching or the pastors or whatever, you know, they've always got to be on the cutting edge of spirituality. And I took it the wrong way, actually, and it became a stronghold in my life. So I always thought, whenever I preach, I have to teach you something that you don't know before. How dumb is that? I don't need to teach you anything. I just need to share God's heart. Can you imagine a shepherd taking care of sheep and he's got to feed every single one of those personally? Like, what's a shepherd's job? Does he walk, like, let's say he's got a thousand sheep and he's got to, like, pick up grass and shove it in all of their mouths, you know, which is why when people say, I'm not getting fed in this church, that annoys me. Like, it's not like... It's not my job to feed you. It's not my job to deliver cutting-edge sermons, actually. It's my job to oversee you as you feed yourself. Because a sheep that just won't feed itself is going to die, no matter how much I try and feed it. (laughs) So I said, what do I do, God? Because I can't preach this message. He said, toss your papers out. So I scrunched up all my work and threw it in the bin. That was heartbreaking. He said, do you trust me? So I came up here without a piece of paper. And all I have is one question. I don't know what's supposed to happen for the rest of the sermon, to be honest. But hear my heart in this. Resurrection Sunday, to me, is my favorite day of the entire year. Like, it's better to me than Christmas. And Resurrection Sunday is my most important Sunday of the year, I feel. And, like, I wanted to preach a message that would be like, I wanted to touch on the death. I wanted to really hit the resurrection. I wanted a powerful gospel message in there. God said, no, get your, throw your cookie cutter sermon out the window. Stop trying, to, stop trying to deliver something cutting edge. So we're going to read this scripture one more time, and I'm just going to ask you a question because it's the only thing that God would give me last night. Let's go through this again, now that you've got a bit of context of where my heart's at. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he'd said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it's withheld. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question and I don't want you to say amen or something like that. I just want you to think about it. Do you know that you have just as much anointing as Jesus Christ? you have just as much anointing as Jesus Christ. You got Jesus in your life, you have the same anointing that he had. But when I look at Jesus's life, like when I read, if I want a faith builder, I'll read the book of Mark. There's just miracles glory in that book. It really builds my faith. Everywhere where Jesus went, there were healings. There were miracles. There were demons being cast out. There were, there were people giving their lives to Jesus, left, right, and center. Bless you. And when I look at my life, I don't see that. And you can't say, Jamie, it's because you're not Jesus. I am. Galatians 2.20 says so. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That means Jesus lives through me. But if I'm not seeing in my life what I see Jesus doing in the Bible, then Maybe he's not really living in me because I'm in control. This is Resurrection Sunday. I think we ought to honor the risen Christ, the one who is alive. That means I don't need to know more, I just need to surrender. And I really feel like, especially this Sunday and just where, where we are as a church, it's, God is just saying, I want my son to actually live in you and stop learning about him. We actually need to conform to him and say, Lord, what do you actually want me to do today? I just want to surrender to you. I want you to have your way in my life. And I don't want to do what I want to do and ask you to help me when I need your help. I really feel like God is just asking us today, how about you let go of control? And I couldn't do that with a planned sermon. Like, I don't want to go to church for the rest of my life and know more things but not be changed. I'd rather not go to church. I don't want to go to church for the rest of my life and just see the same people as much as I love them. I want to see fresh faces all the time. I can't do that if I'm not surrendered. And I feel sometimes, especially from the pulpit, you know, we, we can have a different focus every week. And I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, applying what God gives you. We need to do that. But I think surrender is a constant attitude. You know, when Jesus was alive, he didn't say a single thing that the Father didn't command him to say. Everything that came out of his mouth was because he heard it from the Father first. And everything he did was because he saw the Father do it first. He didn't do a single thing out of line his entire life. And our attitude to surrender ought to be persistent. And the only reason we stress and have anxiety is because... We don't think it's that important or we think we need a revelation to just set us free. You know, revelations follow surrender. Revelations that actually change you, they follow surrender. Revelations that I'm just chasing and seeking, I might get them, but they won't change me because I'm not wanting to be changed. I'm just wanting to know more. That's actually an abuse of God's grace. I want to go to Matthew 26. You know, when Jesus prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. Verse 36. Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Often our emotions tell us not to surrender to God. We'd rather do whatever's going to make us most comfortable So that we don't stress out or feel uncomfortable. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. You know, in one of the other Gospels, it says an angel came and touched him to give him strength. And then being in agony after the angel touched him. So the angel didn't solve the problem. The angel just gave him strength. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat became like drops of blood. Jesus didn't go away and come back and pray something new each time, he prayed the same thing each time. It was that same heart of surrender. His very last words were, it is finished, Father into your hands I commit my spirit. His last words were an act of surrender. Everything he did was an act of surrender. And if we're going to be real Christians instead of churchgoers, I've got to stop trying to just know things and I just got to learn to surrender. Literally, that'll solve all my problems. It may not make your problems go away. but all your internal problems, it'll solve them. How many people have ever surrendered something to Jesus and regretted it? Or ever found, oh, that didn't work? Wasn't it just always so much better than thinking about it and dwelling on it and stressing over it? And we just go further into our little stress hole and and worry about the problem and it doesn't solve itself? there's anything in your life that's causing that, it's time to to realize, hey, I'm actually in control and I've got to surrender this to Jesus right now. It's time to let the risen Christ be the risen Christ. I think if we're going to honor him really, it's time not to hear a cutting-edge sermon about his resurrection so that we can go away and say, oh, great sermon, Jamie. It's time to say, Lord, I'm yours. Close our eyes. I want to do this because it means I'm not in control. I can't speak to you the way God can. I ask you to hold out your hands. And... You agree with what I'm sharing this morning?
1: Let's really submit. Jesus, we're so sorry. (laughs) We're so sorry. being in control, for not allowing your light to shine through us. Father, I have put my candle under a bowl, and I'm so sorry. (laughs) We surrender. Everything we're hanging on to, God, we lay it at your feet. You nailed it to the tree. The devil is defeated. Our sin is defeated. The one thing you couldn't nail to the tree was our free will. But we choose you. We command that bowl to leave this candle in the name of Jesus Christ. We declare, Jesus, that you are the king enthroned in our lives. And we sit at your feet in repentance and surrender to your ways, to your will, because as the Father has sent you, you have sent us. Love you Jesus. So right now Father as our, our eyes are
0: closed and our hands are in, in a posture of surrender, I pray you give each person right now a touch of heaven and a revelation. Speak to each person right now.
1: Thank you Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. risen Christ be the risen Christ in our lives we worship you we surrender to you we love you
0: Father has sent me, so send I. testimony, to stir them every single day. Lord, we ask you to show us where the speck is in our own eye and reveal it for the log that it is. Every single part of our lives belongs to you. Lord, and if it's something in us that doesn't belong to you, we don't want it. So God, help us to be persistent in surrender. We want the risen Christ to shine in this city and every soul to become a disciple of Jesus Christ.